Welcome to the podcast of Life Change Church, where we exist to love people to life change. We hope that this podcast is both challenging and encouraging to you. Enjoy the message. All right, well, hey, good morning. I'm excited you're here today as we are in week two of our series entitled Red Lettered Questions. And uh, this is a series that's, series that's going to lead us up to Easter. And again, just so you know, Easter's a little later this year. It's on uh, April 21st. And we're going to do the best we can to celebrate the resurrection of Christ. And we're going to celebrate with three services. So we'll have our, our regular 9 and 1030 service. But we're going to add a 730 sunrise service. And just so you know, this is an indoor service. Just so we, uh, as far as weather, we're going to make sure everybody's still warm. You never know what happens in April in Ohio. So we will have an indoor service, 730, and that will be a service for the whole family so there'll be no kids' life going on, but all the kids will, will be in service with us as well. So just a, really, it's a, a way for us to, to create more space for people to come to know Jesus. And again, this is a time where we should be inviting our friends, inviting our family, be praying for people. And again, we have invite cards out there that you can take. They're at the uh, desk, the connect desk, and then the uh, the table outside by the entryway as well. But grab some of these and and hand them out to to friends and family. Hand them out to people that you've been wanting to come to church with. This is a great time to invite and bring people. So especially on Easter again, April twenty first, three services: seven thirty, nine, and ten thirty. And what we're doing really through the series is as we lead up to Easter, we're spending some time looking at the questions that Jesus asked. Again, if you look at your Bible, there's these uh, red letters. Now, and the red letters, if you look at them, those are the words that Jesus spoke. So what we're doing over these next few weeks is we're digging into these red letter questions. Because if you look at it, Jesus used questions really more than any other type of communication. He was a master of questions. In fact, if you look throughout the Gospels, the four accounts of Jesus' life, and the four counts of Jesus' ministry, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see Jesus ask questions over and over again. In fact, even more so, he asked more questions than he was actually, actually asked. He was asked 183 questions, and he answered, and he asked himself over 300 questions. 307 questions. In fact, he often replied with a question to the questions because Jesus knew the power of questions. He knew that, that information is not just the goal, but transformation is the goal. And transformation requires a journey. Transformation requires a quest. And a quest really stems from this question. See, if we just give answers, oftentimes it can close the door. If we give answers, it's, it's really just a conclusion, whereas a question opens up the door. A question really is an invitation, and Jesus is all about the invitation. In fact, he invites us each and every day to follow him. He invites us each and every day to commit to him because he's all about the invitation. And he uses questions to show this time and time and time again. Again, if you remember last week, we jumped into the, the first question, which was really this question of purpose and this, this question of longing. And we dug in and we talked about how Jesus asked each and every one of us, what do you want? And this week, what I want to do is I want to jump in and I want to look at how Jesus also asks us questions about our faith. And a lot of times in our lives, he challenges us. He challenges us about our faith, and he asks questions to do it. In fact, if you look through the Gospels, Jesus asked numerous questions regarding this. He was point blank a lot of times, and he asked, asked the people that he was teaching to ask his followers straight up. He asked, where is your faith? Then he asked, do you believe? And then he asked, even why do you have so little faith? 
But today what I want us to do is I want us to dig in a question, into a question that he all asked based on something we experienced that shows really our lack of faith. Something that we all experience, this thing called fear. Or really what it is, it's, it's a misplaced fear. And I think a lot of us, we live our lives with this misplaced fear. So here's the question I want us to hear today. Here's the question I want us to hear Jesus asking us. What are you so afraid of? What are you so afraid of? Jesus asked this question in Mark chapter 4, verse 4, verse 40, and we're going to dig into that story in just a moment, but I want us to hear this. I want us to hear this question, and I want us to think about some of the fears in our life. Because the truth is, there's many areas in our life where we walk in fear. In fact, it's something that we deal with each and every day, so much so that there's these things called phobias that many of us, we deal with. Like fears are a part of our life. They're commonplace so much so that we have some fears that bother us each and every day. We have some persistent fears of an object or situation that we have to deal with each and every day. So what I want to do is we start off, I just want to look at the top 10 phobias according to uh, fearof.net, which is actually the most world's renowned, no, it's actually just the first thing that comes up when you hit Google search, right? Let's just be honest. Let's go to the top 10 phobias that we all maybe have, have dealt with. Number 10 is this one that's really interesting to me, trypophobia. Now you're thinking like, what is that? Trypophobia is the fear of holes. Right? For some, this may seem extreme. For some, this may seem irrational. But the truth is, there's people that fear holes. Like for them, their breakfast and cereal of choice is definitely not honeycomb, right? right? But number 10 is trypophobia. Number nine is aerophobia. This one might seem a little more realistic. How many of us fear flying? Do we have any, anybody that fears flying? Okay. In fact, uh, 6.5% of all the world, of all the world's population have this fear. They, they have this fear of flying. Number eight is uh, mesophobia. This is the fear of germs. Now, how do, do we, have any, we have any germaphobes out here? You guys like, all right, I know we have some. Come on. Like, you guys definitely have, like, the hand sanitizer in your purse, in your pocket, and you're ready to use that, like, anytime you touch somebody, anytime you touch a surface. Like, that's you, right? There's some of us that are like that. That's number uh, eight. Number seven is claustrophobia. This is that the fear of small spaces, getting trapped in a, in a small space. I think for some of us, we have this as well, right? You never want to be trapped in an elevator, and there's certain people you don't want to be trapped in an elevator, but that, that's a whole different thing, right? Number five is, uh, actually number six is astrophobia. This is the fear of lightning and thunder. The lightning, lightning and the thunder, no. <laughs> astrophobia, a lot of times uh, kids will have this. Some of our pets have this, right? And then some of adults even still suffer from this, and they, they still struggle with this. The fear of lightning and thunder, that's number six. Number five, cynophobia. I found the most ferocious dog I could find, but this is the fear of dogs, right? Many of us, we probably, we maybe have this before, right? You get a little scared. Maybe you got bit by a dog when you were a kid. A lot of times this develops in childhood, actually, so, and it continues on. That's number five. Number four is agoraphobia. This is the fear of open or crowded spaces. So this could be anything from movie theaters. This could be concert venues. This could be stadiums. And if you're a Michigan fan, you should fear this. <laughs> Cheap shot right there. Right? But that's number four. Number three is acrophobia. This is the fear of heights. Anybody have a fear of heights? Like this picture, right? A lot of us. Wow. So we won't do church really high anywhere. So I want to make sure we don't do that. But like you see this picture, you're like, dude, that, that's terrifying. Like, how is that guy going to get down? Because you would get stuck and crippled there, right? Like when you're climbing over a bridge or something, that's some of us. We have that, right? Number two is a 
the fear of snakes. All right, we got some snake. All right, good. All right, let's bring out the snakes right now. No, we're not that kind of church. I'm just messing, right? <laughs> and then number one, number one is based on a movie from the late 80s, early 90s, arachnophobia. Anybody have fear? Anybody have a fear of spiders? All right. The truth is, I think many of us, we have fears in life. And some of them, they may be irrational. Some of them may be rational. And some of them may seem like they're, they're not a big deal. Some are a huge deal. But the truth is, there's times where we live in fear, and it's keeping us from reaching our potential. Some of our fears, they're, they're really holding us back. They're holding us back from experiencing all that God wants us to experience, right? For some of us, our fears are the thing that's keeping us from taking that one step of faith that God is calling us to take each and every day. And for some of us, we haven't moved forward with God in years and years because we live in this fear, right? We live in this fear, and this fear is robbing us of our faith. So I think Jesus is asking us today. He's asking, where's your faith? And why are you so afraid? I think he's asking us that today. In fact, he asked his disciples this as well. And we see this in Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. So if you have your Bibles, go there with me. Again, if you don't have a Bible, we always challenge you to download the YouVersion Bible app. Just an incredible resource to take you with you wherever you go. But in Mark chapter 4, here's Jesus. And he's really in the, in the middle of his ministry. He's preaching. He's traveling to many different places. There's, there's large crowds that are, that are each place waiting to hear him, waiting to experience who he is. And on this particular occasion, he's actually moving from one place to the next. And he's crossing over the sea by boat with his disciples. So let's check this out. Mark chapter 4. We're going to read verses 35 through 41. It says this in verse 35. That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him, and a furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. So again, here's Jesus. He's with his disciples, and they're crossing over the sea. Right? They're going from one place to the next. And why they're in the sea, why they're traveling, why they're trying to go from one place to the next, there's this storm that comes. What's interesting is this is that this storm triggered this fear in his disciples. Now again, it might, it might have been a little bit of the, the fear, the astrophobia, right? The fear of lightning and thunder. But the truth is, when you're in the middle of a sea and a storm comes, the truth is they were probably scared for their life. Right? They're on a boat, things are crashing, things are going crazy. And it's so much so that the waves are coming into the boat and where it's nearly swamped. Right? This is interesting to me. This is interesting to me because here they are. They're experiencing this storm. And because of the storm, their fears are rising up. Their fears are, are continuing to, to really stem up. And I think the truth is for some of us, some of our fears, they stem from some of the things that we've gone through. Some of our greatest fears, they stem from storms that we have gone through. Some of our greatest fears, they stem from things that, that allowed, that happened in our lives that we couldn't control. And the truth is we've all had storms in our life. I love the word furious squall. I think the truth is, some of us, we've had some furious squalls in our life. That was more than just the weather. Right? For some of us, we've experienced this in our, in our financial life. Maybe that's even where you are right now. Maybe you've experienced a bankruptcy. Maybe you're going through a bankruptcy right now. Maybe you're in debt to your ears. Right? Maybe there's some things that are just going on. Maybe, maybe you lost your job recently. Maybe there's some things that you can't make ends meet, and you're just struggling right now. And this is where you are. You're in the middle of the storm, and there's this fear building up in your life. And you're living in fear. And you're scared to make the next step because of it. 
For some of us, maybe the greatest storms we've experienced are maybe in our relationships. Again, maybe that's where you are. Maybe you've gone through a, a nasty divorce or maybe you're in the middle of that now. And maybe you've had some, some friends or some close family members walk out on you. Maybe you had some people in your life that you were supposed to trust. Break that trust and break, your, break you as far as in the whole process of it as well. Where it's hard to trust again yourself. Maybe that's where you are. Maybe it feels like there's, the waves are just breaking into your boat of life. Again, in health, maybe you're in a storm in health where maybe you've got a bad doctor report. Maybe you have a friend or family that's, that's received a bad doctor and you feel completely swamped with the stress of it. You're in the middle of the storm and there's doubts rising up because of it. There's fear that's rising in our lives. And so I think this is where the disciples found themselves. I think this is where we find ourselves as well. And here's what's interesting about it all. All they were trying to do was get from one place to the next. I think in a lot of times our lives, obviously, we don't go out looking for storms. What we're trying to do is we're trying to go from one place to the next. And a lot of the times, that's where the storm rises up in our life, right? We can just be trying to go from one place to the next, but the storm can still come. And this is what the disciples experienced. And here's what's amazing, though. They were in it together, right? They were all going down together as well. But what even is more interesting is that Jesus was right there with them. So check this out, verse 38. It says, Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. And the disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? This is interesting, right? Where was Jesus? He was right there in the boat with him. He was in the stern. He was right there with him in the middle of the storm, but he was sleeping, right? He was chilling in the back part of the boat with no care in the world. So the disciples had to go wake him up. And then they, had to, they, says, they said, don't you care? Listen, I'm guessing that their tone probably wasn't that nice, right? I guess there's some, some little bit of a snarkiness to it, right? There's a little bit of anger. There's a little bit of, of, a, a little bit of, of struggle and some, really some, some passion behind it, thinking like, God, Jesus, what's going on? Like, Jesus, don't you care? Here we are. We're dying out here, and you're just chilling in the back sleeping, right? What's interesting, though, is the whole idea of storms, I think this is how we feel. I mean, think about our own storms. When we go through it, a lot of times when we're in the middle of it, when it feels like things are falling apart, we feel completely alone. Right? We feel like we're drowning and we feel like nobody cares. In fact, maybe you're, that's where you are today. Maybe it was a struggle to even get here. You feel like you're drowning. You feel like, man, why should I even go to church? Because nobody cares. And the truth is sometimes we even get to the point where we feel like God doesn't care either. So we say, why? Why even bother? When we're in the middle of it, I think oftentimes we feel isolated. We feel neglected. We feel alone. We feel like nobody cares. We feel like God himself doesn't even care. We feel like Jesus doesn't care as well. And let's just be honest. Many of us, we probably found ourselves there before. Listen, I know for me, I found myself there. I know with my kids, uh, They've had some health issues sometimes as, as they grow as, as most kids do. And I remember Griffin and when, when he was younger, he had some, some health issues for really much between like age one to like four. And it continued on and continued on. And it was something we prayed about. He had asthma and really it was kind of frustrating. So every night before we put him to sleep, we'd give him a breathing machine, hook him up to the breathing machine, give him some medicine and stuff, all to know that, you know, we're going to be up in a couple hours and he's going to be puking himself again. Because he'll get to the point, he'd cough to the point where he would puke, he'd cough to the point where he's turning blue, and it was every night for three years, for three years, so many times that we even went to the hospital, we had many nights it was like this. And listen, this is after he's all good, right? 
But what's crazy is we're paying hundreds of dollars, if not thousands of dollars, to go to the hospital and to make sure he doesn't die, and he's learning how to feed himself with his feet. But the truth is, it was frustrating. I remember praying for years and years and nothing happening, and we were frustrated about it, right? I'm thinking like, God, where are you in this, right? Do you even care? And the truth is, there are some times where I was mad. But here's what I want you to see. I think the disciples were at the same point where they were frustrated. They were asking God if he even cared. But here's what I want us to see. In verse 39, check out what Jesus did next. It says, he got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. Jesus got up and rebuked the weather. He reprimanded, and he scolded the wind. I think about that. Listen, I don't know. Not too many times have I done this, but there's some times where I've yelled at the weather before, right? There's some times, I mean, just a few weeks back, our, our basement was flooding, and yeah, I might have said some things to the weather that I might have even scolded and reprimanded a little bit, but it didn't do anything. But here's what's crazy. When Jesus does it, when Jesus yells at the weather, when he reprimands it, when he rebukes it, the weather answers, right? He says he commanded to be quiet and still, and then it was quiet and still. The wind died down, and it was completely come. Think about that. Imagine your storm right now, the, the things that you're going through, the, the pressure points, the struggles that you're going through in your marriage, the struggles, the stress in your finances, the things that you're dealing with in your health. Imagine all those areas where you feel like you're completely drowning. Imagine Jesus saying, be quiet, calm down, and still, and everything goes to quiet, calm, and still. The truth is Jesus is greater than every one of your struggles. He's bigger than your bankruptcy. He's bigger than the struggles within your marriage. He's more powerful than any addiction you have. He's bigger than any health issue you have, and he can bring quietness to that. That area where we feel completely stressed and everything feels like it's spinning out of control, he can bring quietness to that. That area where we feel completely overwhelmed, he can bring calmness to that. And understand this. He wants to do it. He wants to do it because he cares about you. He cares for you. He loves you. He loves you and he's in the boat with you and he's your help and he wants to help. But he'll help in your timing. Listen, right now I can stand up here and tell you, I can, I can praise God because in his timing, Griffin no longer pukes in the middle of the night. Right? We're no longer traveling to the emergency room each and every night. But it was in his timing. Because of this. Jesus sees our storms in a different light. God sees our storms with a different perspective. See, when Jesus sees what we're going through, he's still calm. Because for him, his storm was the cross. His burden was the cross. And he knew it from the moment of his, of his existence. He knew that he had to live a perfect life because he knew that we couldn't. He knew that he was to die on a cross and be resurrected again for us. He knew that his storm was an undeserving death. He knew that his storm was a, was a crucifixion. He knew that his storm was torture for each and every one of us. So although your storm may be magnified in your eyes, it's measured correctly in his. And although your timing may be immediate, his timing's perfect. What seems like the breaking point for us is really just the beginning point for Jesus.
if he's in your boat, if you've accepted him, if you've committed your life to him, he knows exactly when to get up. And guess what? He's going to get up. Right? He knows exactly when to rebuke the storm, and he's going to rebuke the storm. He knows exactly when to calm the waves. And it's not based on your timing, it's based on his timing. And he knows exactly when, and he'll do it perfectly every single time. He knows exactly when to still the wind, and he's going to still the wind because he loves you, right? because he's for you, because he wants you, and he wants your trust. He wants your faith. So this is really why Jesus asked the big question. He asked the red letter question here in verse 40. It says, he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Let me ask you. Maybe you're in the middle of your storm. Maybe you're frozen and you're stuck from walking in faith. Maybe you haven't taken a, that next step for years and years. Why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? Truth is, I don't think, I think there's some of us that we've barely even seen the, our potential, let alone reach it. As I think there's entrepreneurs in this room. I think there's church planners in this room. I think there's incredible workers in this room, incredible employees that will change companies if we just step out. If we start walking in faith to what God's called us to do. I think there's incredible mentors there's incredible partners that can walk alongside of people and help people be freed from addiction if we just walk in faith. And Jesus is asking us, why are we so afraid? I think for some of us, we've been holding on to these irrational fears for far too long. Right? We've been focusing on things that, that these far off fears that keep us from dealing with the issues right in front of us. And they're keeping us from strengthening our faith. In Jesus. And because of it, we've been trapped in, in pride. We've been trapped in arrogance, arrogance. We've been plagued with anxiety. And it's destroying our family. It's destroying our passions. It's destroying our purpose. It's destroying our marriages. And it's destroying our careers. All because of irrational fears. And the truth is, some of us, we have rational fears. Some of us, we're going through some things. And, and man, there's some things that, that we've gone through that, that are logical to make sense that we should be afraid of them. But guess what? That fear doesn't help. I mean, if you look at the disciples, their fear was rational, right? They were fearing for their lives. They were in immediate danger, yet Jesus still questioned them. He still wondered openly about their faith. So imagine what he'd say to us. I, I can only imagine what he would say to me. Imagine what he'd say to you. I think he's asking us, why are you so afraid? And this is, this is a tough question. And my challenge for us today isn't that we walk out of here completely fearless. But my challenge for us today is that we walk out of here with the right fear. We walk out of here with our fear directed in the right place. And we can see this really from the disciples' response to Jesus' question. Check this out as it continues in verse 41. Jesus asked, why are you so afraid? And here's how they responded. They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. When Jesus asked, why are they so afraid? They responded by being terrified. Now this may seem a little bit different, but the truth is this is pretty normal. If you look at the meaning behind this word, this is pretty normal and it's a, it's a way we should respond as well. See the word terrified here in the original Greek means this. It means to be in awe or reverence. What's amazing is their fear, it turned into reverence and awe. Their fear is now reverence and awe directed towards 
Jesus. You look at the disciples, they were no longer scared of the storm. Right? They were no longer scared of the lightning. They were no longer scared of the thunder. They were no longer scared of the, of the waves, the wind. They were no longer scared of any of those things. They were no longer scared of their situations or their surroundings. But instead, they stood in awe of who Jesus was. They stood in reverence of who Jesus was. Their problems, their issues, their struggles, what they were going through were no longer magnified, but Jesus was magnified in their awe, in their eyes. Imagine if that happened in our lives, right? That's what faith really is. Faith turns our fear into awe of Jesus. Faith turns our, our fear of what we could happen and what could happen to us, it turns it into to what magnifies Jesus and the fact that he's greater than our situation. And really, this is why Jesus asked his disciples this question. This is why he asked us this question as well. He asked, why are you so afraid? Because he doesn't want us to live in fear, but he wants us to live in awe of him. He doesn't want us to live in fear of what could happen, but he wants us to live in awe of what did happen. He wants us to live in awe of the fact that he died on the cross, that he's already conquered death. He's already conquered everything we face each and every day, and he's done it for each and every one of us. And he wants us to live and to walk in that freedom. He wants us to experience the fact that he's greater than anything else in our life. And he wants to be magnified through it all. He wants to live in, us to live in reverence of him because that's how we experience him. That's how we experience his power. That's how we experience the fact that he has command over anything and everything that comes against him and that comes against us. The disciples experienced this and so could we. And here's how. What we need to do is we need to recognize him. A part of all, part of reverence is recognition. And I want to show us three areas where the disciples recognized Jesus. And three areas where we need to recognize Jesus in our lives as well. Number one is this. We need to recognize his authority. In our lives, we need to recognize his authority. If you look at the disciples, they recognized who Jesus was. They recognized the authority that Jesus had over everything and anything in life. In verse 41, it says, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Right? They recognized that he had dominion over the weather. He had dominion over everything that, that nobody else controls, right? And because of this, they were in awe. Because of this, they lived in reverence. Because of this, they experienced more of him. And we need to do the same. I think if you look at a lot of our fears, a lot of our fears, I think, are due to misplaced authority in our lives. Right? I mean, think of our financial fears. Why do we have financial fears? It's because we place too much authority into the, to the mighty dollar. We place too much authority into to material possessions. We're looking to it for our security. We're looking to things to help us feel like we have value. We look to, to things to help us feel like we compare and we match up to other people, right? We place too much authority into, into our bank accounts, into our savings accounts, into our retirement, into our careers even, into our jobs even. We place too much authority in there. And we place those things even above God. And because of that, we walk in fear each and every day. I mean, think of our relational fears. Some of us, we have a fear of abandonment because we, we've placed certain people in a higher place than God in our lives. And listen, understand this. I'm big on a chain of authority. I'm not saying get rid of every authority in your life and like answer to God and no one else. No. Listen, in my life, I'm a pastor, but I have a pastor as well. Conan Stevens is, is my pastor. He's from Pickerington. There's authorities in my life. We answer to the C3 network and to, and to the Assemblies of God within Ohio. Right? There's some things that we still, we're held accountable to these things. We need authority in our life. But we need to understand why that authority is there and who places it. 
God's placed it there for each and every one of us. And he's above each and every one of those areas. And we need to recognize that. We need to recognize that God is above all. He's the ultimate authority in our life. He's in control. We need to recognize that he's in control and we need to allow him to be in control in our life. So think about it. In your life, in your life, are there some areas that you've placed above him? In your life, are there some areas that, and some things that, that you trust more than him? Listen, if there are, this week I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to change that. And I want to challenge you to recognize his authority. Number two, what we need to do is we need to recognize his power. See, from his authority comes his power. Again, going back to verse 39, he says, He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. That's power. And that's the power he has in our lives. He has the power to control everything in our lives. He has the power to control the things that we can't control in our lives. And again, our fears, our fears often stem from the things we can't control. I mean, think about it. You raised your hand, you said you're scared of flying. Why? Why are we scared of flying? Because we don't have control, right? Why are we scared that certain things could happen, whether it's our health? There's some areas of our health that we can't control, right? There's sometimes we get scared of natural disasters. Why? Because we can't control But the truth is, God has power over each and every one of those things. Jesus has power over each and every one of those things, and we need to recognize it. Don't overlook his power. I think too many times we live in fear of the wrong things because we overlook his power. So think about it. In your life, what's an area where where you're overlooking his power? What's an area where, where you're overlooking who he truly is and what he can control in your life? I want to challenge you this week, recognize it. I think a lot of times we overlook his power because we look at things from our perspective and from our own timing. Again, I said it with Griffin, right? I prayed for years. I'm thinking like, God, I want this done now. But listen, his timing was perfect. And I don't know what his plan was. I don't know why I had four years of sleepless nights. But listen, I know his timing's perfect. I know his plan is perfect as well. And we need to recognize that. We need to recognize that he has power over everything. So this week, what I want to do is I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to write down all your fears. Write down some of the things that keep you from walking forward. Write down some of the things that keep you from moving in faith. And then I want you to look at them. And I want you to recognize that you don't have power, but I want you to recognize that Jesus has power in each and every one of those things. And then take that piece of paper, throw it away, and let him be in control of it. Stop trying to control things you can't control. Stop trying to use your power in areas where your power was never meant to be. But instead, recognize Jesus and recognize his power through your life. Number two is recognize his power. Number three is to recognize his presence. Again, I love this story because the whole entire time, Jesus was in the boat. It's interesting, right? He's sleeping on the stern. He's sleeping in the back of the boat. He's there, not worried about anything. Again, his perspective is different, but he's back there, not worried about anything. But what's incredible is this, is the disciples recognized he was there, right? They remembered he was there, and it says they, that they actually had to wake him up. Again, in verse 38, it says, Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion, and the disciples woke him. Listen, the disciples had to start off, and they had to realize that he was still there. Like, they're probably going through the storm thinking, like, man, this is pretty bad. Oh, wait, Jesus is here. Let's wake him up, right? They had to recognize that he was here. They had to recognize that he was right there with them, and they had to do the awakening. Listen, don't miss that. Don't miss that there was a little bit of action on them. They had to go to Jesus in that moment. 
Think about your storm. Think about your fears. Are you going to Jesus first with those? Are you seeking after him? The disciples had to seek after him in the storm. Yeah, he was right there. And yeah, he's right there with us, but we still have to seek after him. I think a lot of us, we lose our battle of fear or we become paralyzed by fear simply because we're not willing to wake Jesus up. Simply because it may not seem like he's there. It may seem like he's sleeping in the back. It may seem like he doesn't care, but he does. But we have to address him. We have to take our problems to him. We have to go to him. Listen, in your life, do you wake him up? Do you invite him into your storm? Think about it. What's your storm right now? What's that point where, where fear rises up from? Have you invited Jesus into that? Have you begun praying about it? Right? Have, you gone to, have you gone to the Bible and, and began looking for answers for that, to see what you should or what you shouldn't do in that situation? Have you, have you invited others in, others that are walking closer to Jesus, trying to go the same path? Have you invited them into your life in those areas of fear to help you, to keep you accountable, to walk closer to Jesus? Again, that's why we do church. We do it for the relationship so we can do life together. That's why we do life groups. Because we want to get closer to Jesus. We want to recognize Him in our life. And I think God sometimes uses people, Jesus uses people to do exactly that. But we have to go to Him and we have to put those things in our life. I recognize His presence and keep Him in the boat. I think Jesus is here asking us today, why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? See, the truth is He knows your greatest obstacle. He already knows it. But what he wants you to know is that he's greater than it. He wants your focus off that obstacle and he wants your focus on him. So recognize his authority, recognize his power, and recognize his presence. If you would, pull out your connect card in the seat back in front of you. Maybe you're here today and maybe as I'm talking through this, maybe you're in the middle of a storm. Maybe you're in the middle of a storm that that maybe you never realized that, that Jesus could be right there with you. Maybe you've never invited him in your boat, in your boat of life. Listen, if you're here today and you've never done that, you've never made a commitment to Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity. I want to give you an opportunity to make a commitment to him. If you're here today, if you would, take that connection card out. If that's you, on the first box, there's a place that says, I want to make a commitment to follow Jesus. If that's you, check mark that box. Check mark that box and, and then believe that God sent his son for you and receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Receive his forgiveness in your life. Maybe you're here today, maybe God's asking you to, to take a step. As maybe for you, maybe you've been struggling for years and years and years and you feel like you're stuck. You feel like you're stuck in all areas of your life, maybe even spiritually, and you feel like you can't move forward. And what it is, is fear has paralyzed you. And God's telling you today, don't walk in fear anymore, right? Right? You no longer have to be bound by those chains, but what you can do is you can recognize him. You can recognize his authority, his power, and his presence in your life. Listen, if that's you and God's telling you to recognize him, write it down. And not only write it down, but live it out and take that step. Take that step. Experience his power. Experience his power in your life. There's also a place for prayer requests where we would love to partner with you in prayer. Now listen, again, we take these connect cards seriously. This is our way to to connect with you. This is our way to journey with you. This is our way to, to pray with you. So if you would, fill that out. Fill what God's asking you to fill out and then begin to live it out. If you would, take this moment to do that and also get any ties or offerings ready as well. And Seth will be open in just a moment to explain the next steps. 
Thank you for listening to the Life Change Church Podcast. If you were here today and you were listening and you made a decision to follow Christ, we would love to hear about it. Or maybe you're here and you're listening and that God is asking you to make the next step with whatever that it is in your life. We would love to hear about it and partner up with you. If you would, go to www.mylifechangechurch.com and under the media section, please fill out the contact us information and let us know if you made a decision to follow Christ. Let us know what God is asking of you. And if you need prayer, we would love to partner up with you in prayer as well. We hope that you enjoyed the podcast and that it both encouraged and challenged you. Have a great week.